0: Two, I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. S- silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or
1: death. Silence the shame.
2: Speak up now and silence. Silence.
1: Silence.
2: Silence the shame. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Shanti Das, the host of the Silence the Shame podcast. And I have in the studio my amazing co-host, Free the Vision. What's up? What's up? How's your week?
3: It's good. Good. It's it's keep me good. busy. Yeah. Making things happen.
2: A lot going on, a lot going on. Um, I'm really, really, really passionate about what we're going to be talking about today. Mm -hmm. Because, as you know, I've launched a college speaking tour Mm -hmm. um, around mental health. And I think this is such an important episode. I want to welcome back into the studio uh, Mr. Von Gay, uh, Morehouse School of Medicine, uh, Associate Director of Counseling. You also have your own practice. Tell us about your practice. Yes, it was
0: really exciting. So I actually... A little bit of a personal soft launch, maybe about a year and a half ago, just to really start okay. getting the uh, the foundational pieces in place. Okay. Picked up a couple of clients, you know, on a private side, um, mm-hmm. away from the school of medicine, just to really uh, get the insurance process rolling or what have you, to really kind of see exactly what type of impact that I can have. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from what I'm seeing right now, is you know the 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 demand and the request for services, yeah. You know, are really through the roof. So it's an exciting time, you know, to really kind of get this information out yeah. and to really kind of let Atlanta know that we're here. You know, we have a lot to offer in terms of mental health and mental illness uh, services
2: awesome, awesome congratulations
3: brother thank I you know. so much appreciate woo, that woo, <laughs> kudos thank to you. you
2: and then we have on the phone um a gentleman that i'm excited to introduce his name is abraham scully he is a senior at the university of west florida everybody let's welcome abraham to the podcast hey,
3: welcome welcome welcome
2: thank you guys how you doing i am well i'm doing well Well, thank you so much for sharing. I I know you're busy with your classes and so forth, so we're not going to take up too much of your time. But um, I want to jump right in. Can you please um, share with us when you first realized that you were experiencing depression and, you know, what year of school was it for you and kind of like what that initial process was like for you or journey rather for you?
1: Yeah, so it started for me my freshman year, second semester. So I moved from Miami, Florida to Pensacola, Florida, which mm-hmm. is about nine and a half hours mm-hmm. um, in distance driving. And I was extremely excited about, you know, getting away from home, yeah. kinda, you know, starting this journey with being independent, doing my own thing. Um And I started out majoring in information technology. Um, During that time, I also decided to have my own apartment, which Mm -hmm. isn't the traditional freshman route. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. You usually stay in a
2: dorm at least one or two years.
1: Exactly. I wish I would have known that earlier. But um, that meant I had my own bills. Um, If I didn't cook, I didn't eat. So there were there were minor stresses, nothing that I didn't think I couldn't handle. Um, but I had to work over 30 hours a week with a full class load. Wow. Um, as well as trying to have a social life and, and do all of the things that kind of experience have the college experience. Um, didn't notice that I was being stressed out by everything that was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And during my second semester, I really started to isolate. So I started, you know, not going out to different events on campus I started calling off from work a lot. I started to skip classes and then I stopped. I'm going to church as much as I did. And I knew I was in a weird spot, but I didn't know what depression was. Depression has yeah. a mental illness. Yeah. I just, knew, I just knew things were off because normally I'm the motivator. I'm the guy who's always up and going. Um, and so I had a friend who reached out to me. And I was home once I stayed home from church and she reached out and said, Hey, like, I haven't been seeing you on campus. You haven't been coming to church. What's been going on? Everything. All right. And I was like, yeah, you know, just the same old I'm working a lot of hours. So I need, I need sleep during the weekend. So that was my excuse. And she kept pressing the the question and kept pushing it, pushing it and said that she wasn't getting off the phone until I was real with it. Mm -hmm. So I finally Kind of confessed how i had been feeling i told her that i wasn't eating at night um i didn't feel like doing anything i wasn't sleeping at night Mm -hmm. and it was weird because it was i would be tired during the day and when it's time to go to sleep i'll be tired but it would be difficult to fall asleep because of um just rumination and just Mm -hmm. thoughts going uncontrollably and Mm -hmm. then when i would finally fall asleep i'll be back up at two three in the morning not being able to sleep are you kidding it was yeah it was it was really tough and I kind of shared all of that with her and she said it sounds like you're depressed Mm -hmm. and I was immediately I was like nah I can't be depressed Mm -hmm. I'm not the type of person to be depressed and she said well um if you are you know you can check out the the counseling services on campus they have free resources for students and I was like whatever and we kind of got off the phone and Uh, About two weeks after that conversation, I got to a really desperate place to where I was mad that I couldn't get back to um, my normal self and didn't know what to do. So I said, well, I'll just check out the counseling center and see if they can help. If they can, then that's better than me just sitting in this funk. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, So
1: I got up and and went to the counseling center, set up an appointment to see a psychiatrist and not too long after our assessment and our conversation i received a diagnosis of major depressive disorder um i was put on antidepressants and it was also suggested that i start seeing a therapist and in that moment it was bittersweet for me because i was excited to know that what i was going through was an actual thing yeah Mm -hmm. which meant i can actually get through it
2: absolutely
1: Yeah, instead of me just going crazy, because for a long time, I thought I was just going crazy and and I was losing my mind. Um, So it was it was it was good in that in that part. But Mm -hmm. the bitter part was that I couldn't figure out how I even got here and how I allowed myself to get so low. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's pretty much uh, in a nutshell what I went through during my freshman year and and then kind of led to uh, medical withdrawal. Mm -hmm. so
2: hold on one second I want to come right back to that first let me just say to you thank you thank you and thank you for being so brave to one share your story publicly Mm -hmm. with us I know you've been opening up and sharing a lot and you have your own initiative which we'll talk about um once we're done with the podcast but um I'm just so proud of you, especially being, you know, a person of color. We know yeah. how hard it is in our community to talk about it and share. I just want to throw a quick question to our licensed mental health professional that's in the room. Yeah. Um, Vaughn, can you tell our listeners, because again, this topic is around college depression, right. what exactly is depression? And what impact are professionals seeing on millennial college students
0: okay so it's so number one depression is a very serious uh, illness is a, mm-hmm. a, a physical illness that a number of individuals experience uh, is not necessarily it, it has a lot of different symptoms so it's not just sadness it's mm-hmm. not periodic sadness depression is literally a shift in your lifestyle to where you are unable to engage in your daily mental activity, daily life activity mm-hmm. excuse me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. simply because our level of energy you know and our our <laughs> desire and our or, uh, motivation is just not there all mm-hmm. right? and it's typically uh, it's caused by a lot of social factors but it leads to a physical shift in the secretion of chemicals within our brains and that's where we have that inability to be able to move mm-hmm. and so some of the things that we're seeing uh, at working at Morehouse School of Medicine and working on a college setting, some of the things that we're seeing just in students in general are a lot of things that Abraham really discussed you know, um, not being able to get motivated to go to class you know, um, having issues with uh, maybe some issues at home uh, even kind of seeing some things with Uh, social media really having an impact on you know some of our younger students and so these things are really kind of causing a shift in individuals uh, perception of themselves their self-worth their self-value and those social issues those social ills are really starting to have a a impact on the physical health and Mm -hmm. that's where depression kind of comes all together in one cornucopia that's right
2: I I want I want to read some stats here uh one out of every four college students suffer from some form of diagnosable mental illness. Absolutely. Suicide mm-hmm. is the third leading cause of death amongst people ages 15 to 24 and the second leading cause of death in college students ages 20 to 24. Now, we actually um, took this information um, off of a website. Bree, can you read that?
3: That comes from PsychoCentral.com.
2: Okay, yes. So we we also we always like to make sure we give credit to the mm-hmm. source where we're getting this. Um, also... Um, Excuse me, Psych Central. Psych, Psych Central. Central. Okay, okay, great. Because we always, um, also want to make sure that we can um, lead our listeners back mm-hmm. um, to the source if they want to get more information. Also, some signs and symptoms of depression uh, for college students include persistent sadness, anxious or empty mood, feelings of hopelessness, pessimism, feelings of guilt, Worthlessness, helplessness, loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities, decreased energy fatigue, being slowed down, difficulty concentrating, remembering making decisions, difficulty sleeping, early morning awakening or oversleeping, appetite or unwanted changes, thoughts of death or suicide, suicide attempts, restlessness, irritability, Persistent physical problems such as muscle pain. Um, and this information was taken from the NIMH.gov um, site. And, Abraham, you said a lot of those right. symptoms that mm-hmm. I just read. I mean, it's almost like textbook right, um, right. hearing him and then actually reading some of these signs and symptoms that we actually have on a postcard that we distribute. We do a lot of our college talks. Mm-hmm. Wow.
3: And also I heard him saying I wanted to ask this for listeners who just would be completely oblivious right what would you say von is the difference between major depressive disorder or um is i think that's what you said right abraham correct me if i'm wrong
1: yeah major depressive
3: disorder okay so major depressive disorder and then what I guess the average person might just say is like, I'm depressed or this is depression gotcha, or I'm experiencing yeah. or, depression. Or clinical, just random right clinic, clinical
0: right. So, I'll, so I'll actually, let me give you four different examples mm. of depression that we actually have. All right. You, so you do mm-hmm. have major depressive disorder, which is like discrete episodes. You can really kind of pinpoint exactly, you know, the, the foundation of mm-hmm. some of the uh, the causes that led to depression and it is Defined within a certain time period right? Okay. Um, you're looking at you also have Persistent depression which is a chronic low Grade depression that eventually does get better And so this is not something that may be Clinically diagnosed but it's something that you know Your your friends or your family members kind of notice A shift in your behavioral pattern mm-hmm. You're losing that interest in certain things but it's not A complete loss you do have Seasonal depression and seasonal depression is Not necessarily based on our season Spring you know summer winter fall mm-hmm. But maybe certain seasons within your life Okay, okay and so gotcha. what Abraham d- describes moving from Miami to West Florida University of West Florida up in Pensacola that's a seasonal shift Mm. and so you're completely separating from your family you're getting into a new environment and so we have expectations of what's gonna come, you know, with something like going to college, and then the the reality, the perceptions of reality, and we're talking about young folks that were literally in high school the year before, and now they are being cast off to become adults, and they have this understanding of what they're supposed to be doing. And when those expectations may not be met, then that's when the the sense of purpose and value and self worth starts to decrease somewhat. And then finally, you have psychotic depression, and this is the most severe kind, and this is coupled with delusions, hallucinations, and these are individuals that may actually need inpatient treatment because there may be some additional things kind of going on mm.
2: thank you thank you for that Vaughn mm-hmm. um, I want to go back to Abraham um, number one again I'm, I'm proud of you that you went to get the help that you needed right um, kind of walk us through again what it was like for you did you ever feel ashamed that you had to start taking medication and how did the medication f- make you feel and also at what point um, were you able to wean yourself off or did you stop taking the medication based on the recommendation of your doctor
1: yeah so definitely felt ashamed um, not even just for the, the medication, but just that I was going through what I was going through, because I felt like I was weak or not able to handle life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I had never been that type of person. So it was like a complete shift for me for my family and everything. Um, but starting on the medication, I was I heard you know different things from other people's experiences. And then there's also stigma when it comes to taking medication. Um, And so there was always that fear in me of Mm -hmm. me possibly being dependent on the medication and getting addicted and never being able to come off. Mm -hmm. So that was always there. Um, But also there was a there was a feeling of hope because I was like, if I can take these. I can at least get to a point where I can get out of bed.
0: There you go. Um, Um,
1: And that did happen for me. And uh, maybe a week, no, two weeks before any signs of of me being able to move. Um, Because the the medication took a a long time or felt like a very long time to kick in. When it finally did, I did feel like I was getting back interest into certain things. A lot of times it takes 30 days.
2: It does. Do you think it It was at least 30 days or longer for you?
1: I think it was about... Um, two and a half weeks, maybe. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So
2: it's usually within that time period, mm-hmm. is what um, mental health professionals. Just so that you know, it typically takes I anywhere up to thirty mm-hmm. days to Got really you. kick into your system. So
0: you're really looking at your second prescription. Yeah. You know, it's when it really starts to have that impact because a normal prescription is just with thirty days. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm
2: sorry. Go ahead, Abraham. Got you. Uh,
1: yeah, So it once it did kick in, uh, I was good for maybe a week, and then the symptoms, the depressive symptoms, came back. And so I went to my psychiatrist and set up an appointment and we did our check-in and I told her, Hey, um, for some reason I'm back to where I was. She said, well, this is normal. Um, what we'll do is we'll kind of increase the dosage a little bit and then we'll give you a new dosage and you try this and then, um, you'll feel better. So I did that. Um, we did increase the dosage, started on that. And then a week after back into the same position. So I went back and let her know we switched the medication again um, started feeling better and then went back so after going back to the psychiatrist again she added a booster to the antidepressant that I was taking and at that point I had I had already made up my mind that I'm done I'm not taking the medication anymore yeah. um, but were you seeing mind, a therapist
2: was, what did you couple medication with I therapy did.
1: yeah I did okay. so at the same time of taking the medication I was I was now able to you know, express what I was feeling Mm -hmm. so that was good um because I I was able to to kind of get it out Mm -hmm. so the medication helped with that part um but after the last visit with the psychiatrist um I made up in my mind before meeting with her that I was done and she said uh that this is what she wants me to do and I was like yeah I'll do this and I'll go pick it up and blah blah whatever um went and I got it but I decided and I remember the date it was October 15th Mm-hmm. Um, 2015 and on that day I said I'm done taking the medication and I won't I won't take this anymore I dumped the medication and you didn't tell your doctor didn't tell my you doctor you do know that's Even like after.
2: the number one no no when taking medication Yep. yep. we and just I need our listeners the if there are any college right. students listening do not right. stop taking it abruptly yeah. but go ahead and finish your story
1: yeah so the right thing to do is actually to taper off with right. the or wean the, off um, is with what your they psychiatrist call it yeah so that's what i didn't do and the thing is i was fully aware of the withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. but just because of the top person i am like i'm i'm i consider myself pretty rebellious and kind of doing what i want to do um so i was aware of the symptoms and i was aware that i would possibly struggle with suicidality mm-hmm. and i said a prayer on um, that day and i said whatever happens I just want to I just want God to kind of protect me and I'm going to do whatever it takes um, to get well without the medication. And I took a holistic approach um, not too long after coming off of the medication cold turkey. I did start to experience suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. and um, very difficult, like worse. It was the worst that I would ever felt in my entire life. I was so scared that I wasn't I wasn't okay with being. By myself, because I was I wasn't sure whether or not I would act on the thoughts that I had. So by that time, I made a decision that I would leave school and be around my family, go back home. uh, I know they didn't understand depression or mental illness, but it was better than being away where I didn't really know people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I went to the dean, did a medical withdrawal, dropped all my classes, and drove home, was home for about two and a half months. And it was even difficult being home um, and just the shame of that because I have younger siblings. And mm-hmm. to know that, you know, I started this college thing and I couldn't finish. Mm. Yeah. It's just, it, it was hard for me um, mentally in that that place too. And then while I'm being home, I'm in the bed. You know, while it- I'm home, I'm not even doing nothing. So, and I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't. Um, so that was a that was a hard part. And then the stigma as well. But I continued in therapy even while I was home. I just stopped the medication and I got to a place where I was well enough to start back Um, With my classes, you know, Abraham
0: Um, I was gonna say it's so important that you're being authentic right now because we have mm -hmm, so many college mm -hmm. students and college age young adults that are on psychotropic medications and really don't understand how they're completely different from your regular medication Mm -hmm. It's like a Tylenol you have an expectation you take 2 it'll get rid of the headache right then and immediately But the psychotropic medications do a lot in terms of restructuring the the balance within your brain And what happens is when we take ourselves immediately off of them cold turkey uh, a lot of individuals actually go and start self-medicating which can be one of the worst things you can do you know having alcohol you know maybe uh using marijuana using uh, other prescription pills that may be you know recommended by friends or what have you you know and so kind of talk about how you were able to stay away from that space and self medication but really kind of continue to you know have the mentality that you want to get better from a mental health perspective
1: yeah so i actually didn't stay away from uh self medicating okay um yeah i didn't even get to that part but before the medical withdrawal and even after Um, I started drinking heavy Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. just not just, you know, a beer or two, but actually started with wine. And I would I would finish pretty much a whole bottle of that Wow! and then kind of graduated to rum, which is about 60 percent proof. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was I was downing that um, trying to kind of numb the pain and stop feeling how I was feeling and then stop my thoughts from racing. That was the main thing. Like my head was going to explode. So um, I didn't, I actually didn't um, refrain from self-medicating. I was doing that. And also at the time smoking black and miles. Okay. And, and that kind of eased the, what I was experiencing for seconds, just seconds. And then it would go back to it. So uh, yeah, that was that part. But um, back to when I was home, um, I was well enough to get up and go back to classes I wasn't 100 percent, but I, I was to a point where I was like, I got to finish what I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't I can't stay home and got back in my car and went back to uh, to school and continued in therapy. Even then at that point um, and just working towards mental wellness and emotional wellness for me.
2: Gotcha. Wow. Man. I, I, Man. wow. What what a journey in, in your transparency. Very like you don't so. understand yeah. how much that you are going to be able to help um, when we're really going to try to get this podcast out to, you know, a lot of students. Um, Vaughn, I just want to um, ask you, um, what do you think is being done on college campuses? Because obviously you work. For Morehouse School of Medicine, but you also I know council students that are on campus there. And we do know that the rates of depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation are on the rise. Mm -hmm. You know, there was an article that I read just in 2017 on statnews.com that, you know, talks about how colleges across the country are failing to keep up with the troubling spike in demand for mental health care. So a lot of the resources don't meet the need on so many of these colleges and universities, whether they're um, predominantly white universities, historically black colleges, you know, so no one is immune to this, right? Right. No matter what race, ethnicity, I think, all students, even at the graduate level, because we saw where uh, an undergraduate and a graduate student at Georgia Tech University in Atlanta, Georgia, took their own life That's in the awesome. month of December. So, you know, what do you mm. think is going on um, in terms of a lot of these campuses trying to take a more um, s- serious approach if you will to add additional a additional funding a, pro- yeah. mm-hmm. a proactive approach approach mm-hmm. to adding funding and other resources on campus and then after he finishes Abraham I'd like for you to talk about um, some of the work you're doing as well as um, the organization Active Minds because I know you work with them as well
3: I like the
0: title yeah so let me just first off by saying the need is not being met holistically you know mm-hmm. we need more practitioners more resources more individuals that understand that mental health is not a unique population and is not a unique thing sure. that only certain people experience yeah. every single person that is living you know has physical health and mental health you know and there's right. no separation of the two so the need is not being met as a, a, a older somewhat older millennial you know it's really unique that i'm in a position to work with uh college-age students that are in the same generation i can honestly say that we are taking our, our our mental health, you know, very seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, and wellness is embedded in everything that we do, from self care mm-hmm. to mindfulness to you know starting to open up a lot more and being more vulnerable. You know, so at specifically where I, where I work, we. Uh, have developed a little bit of a, a wellness approach and a wellness initiative. So all of our incoming students receive personality assessments to really give us an understanding of who they are as people and also give them some personal information so that they know exactly how to do this whole med school process, how to interact with different uh, personalities, etc. And also to know what some of the triggers and warning signs for them personally are. And then we also have support groups, uh, men's support group, women's support groups. Uh, we have a student wellness committee that actually takes the, the perception of what students are doing and experience. And we curate and cater different events and different symposiums to aid students in really kind of getting some more information about how to, to heal themselves on, on a personal level.
3: Is there a sense of like a, a marketing team, if you will, to get that kind of thing out to students? While, Because, I mean, shout out to your friend who told you, Absolutely. like, that's a major thing. Mm-hmm. But like to... Students who are just going through college, they might not know that that's available. Like, how do you?
0: Right. So what we do. So each end of each institution, you know, in their own way, has right. a way mm-hmm. of marketing different resources on campus. Correct. Uh, for instance, at Georgia State University, they have the Mind and uh, Mind and Brain Clinic with Dr. Kofi Kwandani, which is really unique because that gives students an opportunity to engage in on-the-spot wellness activities, uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a I want to say there's a little bit of a sleep room. You know, so things to where yeah, students yeah. can decompress from the stressors of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, over at Clark Atlanta, they have the suicide task prevention force you know uh over at morehouse college they have a number of symposiums to where they bring in individuals such as myself uh to speak to different students in different departments and so mm-hmm. there is a there's not one true direction in which everyone is going down is assessing the different needs of a specific population got you. and then seeing exactly how we can utilize the resources that we have and then also reach out to individuals within the community to bring them in it's an offer of things in terms of uh Stretching, you know, relaxation, et cetera. And one Mm -hmm. thing
2: I will add, um, there are several larger universities that had these programs on campus called CAPS, Mm -hmm. which essentially stands for Counseling and Psychological Services. Mm -hmm. So like Brown University um, has a CAPS program. Uh, Northwestern University has a CAPS program. I also just recently read an article about the NCAA Mm -hmm. and how the Power Five Conferences Um, are coming together to offer players more mental health services. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, you know, recently I talked about it on another podcast where at Stanford University they brought Pet Yamas to campus um, to help from an emotional wellness um, perspective. Also, Duke University, before their... um, game where the duke university girls played the syracuse university girls which is my alma mater um they hosted like a mental wellness forum before the game on campus so you're starting to see more and more of this i'm even in talks with you know some of the folks hopefully syracuse to do more um even the people over at georgia tech so i think a lot of the colleges well not even i think i know they're recognizing Mm, right there Mm -hmm. is a need and they do to your point free need to take a more proactive approach um Abraham, tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing with your uh, movement speaks to inspire as well as um, anything that you might've done with um, active minds.
1: Yeah. So first of all, that's actually who I went with the cap center. That's who provided awesome. me the help um, when I was going through. So yeah, that's a, that's a plug for them because they're actually doing a lot of good work in terms of letting students know that their resources are available. Mm-hmm. Um, but With Speaks to Inspire, so it's a brand that I started in about 2016. And the sole purpose is to promote mental health awareness and provide a platform for millennials to share their story with mental health, mental illness. Um, And then also directing students to resources, whether it's locally um, or or, um, over social media or whatever the case is, just kind of getting them to the resources that they need and providing motivation as well. And I've also been a part of the board for Active Minds at my on my campus
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I've helped in in facilitating a 5k walk which was to commemorate those lost to suicide as well as kind of um, be there for for those who were left behind of those who did complete suicide. Mm. Um, wow. I've done some speaking engagements with them that. as well just Yeah, thank you. Just sharing my story with them um, and just letting people know that they're not alone. I actually just started an initiative on my campus, which is for all UWF students. So if any UWF student is listening to this, a quick plug, but it's called Mental Health Monday. And every Monday we come together at the library. We have a center in the library Mm -hmm. and we just uh, reduce stigma by talking about Stigma. Just talking yeah. about mental health, talking right. about mental illness. Uh, we have specific topics that I um, that I host every week. Uh, today we're going over good stress versus bad stress, and just opening up the conversation as it relates to mental health, so that the stigma isn't as strong, which is keeping students from getting the help or voicing that they are struggling. So that's a couple of the things that I'm I've been doing. Um, I'm also trying to get to the Active Minds National Conference this March, so that's in the works as well, to get in contact with even more mental health advocates, mm-hmm. uh, professionals mm-hmm. that want to build a mental health culture and kind of reduce the stigma and encourage conversation. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that in March.
2: Well, we are certainly proud of you at Silence of Shame. And just personally, um, I thank you for all of the work that you're doing. Uh, I applaud you on taking control of your life and getting the help that you needed during college, which can be a very difficult time to even admit that you need help. Um, so, you know, we certainly want to continue to, to amplify your efforts and uplift your messaging and story. Um, any, any last words, Vaughn, on resources? Obviously, I know the National Institute of Mental Health. This is a great um, pamphlet if you want to talk a little bit about that.
0: Absolutely. So first off, I want to say, you know, this is why this is so important, because Abraham just shared an idea that he's doing down in Pensacola, Florida, mm-hmm. that I have a little bit of leverage to be able to implement here at Morehouse Amazing. School of Medicine. And Amazing. we can start doing that within a month's time Amazing. because we already have the support for that. So this is why when we share ideas and start to collaborate across the board, we can all have a hand in improving our mental health as a community.
1: Absolutely. And so in
0: terms of resources, of course, uh, as a practitioner, I always go to the National Institute of Health mm-hmm. and the National Institute of Minority Health. These things are free.
2: And the National Institute of Mental Health.
0: Men- mental health as well. You yep. know, so these these marketing materials, uh, you can request a free shipment of things associated with depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD, so that you can always have materials to hand out and uh, get to individuals that definitely need those. But also, uh, I always say, you know, you definitely want to follow different uh, social movements that are here to really kind of provide some mental health education similar to some the shame. Uh, we have the Mental Health Alliance, of course, uh, the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, uh, and just uh, any type of mental health practitioner, you know, that's working in the field. You know, they're always, uh, you know, available to offer free consultations and to provide a level of uh, mental health education. One thing I also wanted to note was that the college scene in Atlanta, and I have to give them kudos, they've actually had a number of us out to different schools to do a lot of presentations. So I have the, the privilege of working at Clark Atlanta and Spelman and Morehouse, of course, with me being in the vicinity, but also at Georgia Tech with the uh, Black uh, Graduate Student Association. And I will also be working with uh, Emory Laws program this week and doing two presentations on mental health. So this is prominent and this is prevalent. And now, we, you know, the, the institutions are now starting to acknowledge and, and realize how important having these conversations are. So this is really exciting for us.
2: Yeah, we're, we're excited to, to be a part of this movement and to certainly help, um, you know, so many people, especially, um uh, students at the college and collegiate level. Um, I also want to list um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You know, if you know someone that's in crisis where the depression has turned to suicidal ideation and they are threatening to harm themselves, please have them immediately call 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that number is one 800 273 talk also the crisis text line organization is an amazing resource It's um, available 24 hours a day seven days a week uh-huh. and you can text the word silence to 741741 and immediately be connected to a counselor if you're in crisis and then they can further help you get um, help within your local area also, shout out to Active Minds, know a lot uh, ab- about them, but <clears throat> hadn't done a ton of work with them. But they're doing some amazing work um, at the collegiate level um, in terms of overall emotional health and wellness and advocacy um, and education. Uh, so I just want to thank you again, Abraham, for, for being on the much. show. Can you tell our listeners how they can follow you on social media?
1: Yes. Yeah, so my personal page is at Abraham Scully. And that's L-L-E-Y for Scully. And then for my brand, Speaks to Inspire, it's just at Speaks to Inspire, the number two. And then I'm on Facebook as well, That Speaks to Inspire. And that's about it. Right and now. lastly,
2: I, I meant to forgot to add that we are um, ramping up our Silence to Shame College Ambassador Program again. So we, be, we will be having college ambassadors um, both on HBCU campuses as well as some of our larger colleges and universities awesome. um, around the country. That's great. Yes. So this has been a wonderful, wonderful podcast with so much good information shared. Um, this is episode 22 on college depression. I am your host, Shanti Das.
3: I am Free the Vision.
2: Please make sure that you listen
3: Subscribe, rate and comment
2: and review and yeah. share and share it. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we want to make sure that we're able to get um, this podcast and other information out. Um, Vaughn, thanks again for being on the no show. Problem. We appreciate no you. If you know anybody that needs help, um, please. You know, sometimes they just need somebody to listen to them and yeah. then you can encourage them to get the help. Um, but definitely don't be silent. We have to help to erase the shame and erase the stigma. That's why we exist Um, and helping to eradicate um, shame and stigma. So this is the Silence the Shame podcast. Please make sure you take time, save a life, and silence the shame.
1: If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness.
0: Spark the conversation.
2: It's time we silence the shame.
0: Let's talk about it.